I'm doing a series, uh, Revived and Ready, and I'm talking about some of our heritage and our history and some of our culture and our values uh, in a hope to just stir some of the main things. And the reason I got a surfer up there, it's kind of, it's the waves that we surf. Uh, a surfer will go out and pick the waves, and he's looking for the right ones that's going to get him where he wants to go and give the experience he wants to have. So I'm, I'm talking about some of the waves that we ride as a church and some of the things that go on uh, in our life. And so last week, I spoke about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to kind of continue talking about that today, um, that we are a church that passionately believes that God is moving and moves among us in powerful ways, uh, that uh, when you get saved, it's not just okay, legally, as it were, before God, my sins are forgiven, I get a ticket to heaven when I die. Uh, some would say, that's the gospel. It's so much more than that. When you get saved, yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you're going to know God for eternity. But here's the wonderful thing. He comes and lives in, with, in all of his presence in your life today. He comes and moves. And in fact, Jesus, you say it when you pray the Our Father, you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, this little bit of earth. This little world that I live in, my home, my workplace, school, where I live and, and, and work out my life becomes, can become a little bit of heaven. Yeah. It's a little bit like we were unclean temples. But the fact that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he took the punishment for all of mankind to make us clean. But the whole point of it is not just, oh, well, bully for me, I'm now clean. It's right, you're a clean temple. My glory can come and dwell in you. You can experience me. Jesus used phrases like this, my peace I give to you. He used phrases like this, wait, because there's going to come a gift from heaven that will empower you to tell people about Jesus across the earth. There's going to come a Holy Spirit that fills you, that sanctifies you, makes you holy, helps you to live at a higher level than you could on your own. You're going to know the grace of God. Literally, that means the empowering presence of heaven. You're just like me without God. We don't like praying. Don't pretend you do. God helps us to pray. God helps us to understand his word. God helps us to live for him. God helps us to rise above things that, uh, uh, who knows this, your wants change as you grow in God. Because God comes and fills you and he's holy. Now that's not miserable. Holy does not mean miserable. Okay, stop there a minute. Holy does not mean miserable. Holy means filled with joy and peace and fun. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with joy above his companions, meaning if you wanted to find out in that crowd which one was Jesus, look for the one that laughed the most. Sorry, I'll say that for the other people. Look for the one that laughed the most. Now you've all got me in the room, all right? You've all got me. Jesus was joyful. He told the best jokes. He was the one jigging a little dance. He was the one with a big smile on his face. He lit up the room when he walked in. Not, oh, you really shouldn't be doing that. He was the one that walked in and said, here's what we should be doing. Here's life in all of its fullness. And so it's about God coming and living among us and being in our hearts. And things change. Doesn't mean we don't go through difficult times, but even through the shadow of the valley of, of, uh, the, the valley of the shadow of death, those difficult seasons, we go, you know, even in that most difficult time, I felt like he was right there. Yeah. And yes, I'd rather he took it away, but no, he took me through it instead. Yes. And actually, like a father takes a son through stuff. We, we were at a, uh, we were somewhere, you don't need to know where, with, with Zach yesterday. And uh, I was sat across the coffee shop from where the counter was and I got my drink and he 
been to the loo, so he arrived late at the table. So it was great to go, right, Zach, there's some money. I'll watch you. You go to the counter, but I'm right there. And it's just like that in life. We need to go through stuff, but daddy's right there. Yeah. And every now and then he look over my shoulder. Am I doing it right? Am I stood in the right place? And I'm like, yep, yeah, remember your manners. And God says, do you remember your manners? And, you know, <laughs> but he's growing us up, but he's always right there. It's really useful being omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time, which also means he has to watch every terrible movie that's ever been made. But it does mean he's always with you. Amen. Isn't God good? And so we're looking at how he does that and how very real that can be. We're not talking theory. This isn't the kind of church where you get the theory. Here's my little question that I'm posing to you this morning. Your religion, I'll use that word. Sometimes we use the word religion in a slightly insulting way in a, in a church like this. You know, there's very good sides to the concept of religion, but we think more of relationship. But let me use that word, your, your connection with God. Call it religious or relationship, doesn't matter. I want to ask you about two words. Which one sums up your walk with God? Museum or manifestation? Museum, I've got God all tidily in a glass box. I, in other words, it's about nodding to great historic truths. It's like having the Magna Carta on the wall. God's over there. He's in this, this dusty, crusty uh, place where I, I can admire truth. And yes, sometimes it's, it's amazing, but I'm admiring truth. Then a uh, book of 1 Corinthians Chapter 12 uses a phrase like this, but the Holy Spirit, God gives the manifestation of his spirit for the common good. In other words, God doesn't just operate on the inside. He shows himself to be very real, healing lives, changing lives, clearing debt, sorting out our minds, sorting out our marriages, helping us with our children. It's the manifest, it's God revealed. What sums up your religion? Museum? I just want him tidy. It is great historic truth that I can admire and that's where I want it to be. But not for a moment do I want me to get even remotely unrespectable. I just made that up, didn't I? That's not a word. Should we make a new word today? Everybody say it, unrespectable. If you know what I mean, good for you, because I don't. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> is it? Come on. I'm on it. Museum or manifestation? In other words, is God revealing himself in your world or is he just a fridge magnet, a truth on a wall? If you want to ride the wave of this church, we're very biblical about this. God is not a fridge magnet. It is not truth on a wall. It is living truth in my heart. And if you're anything like me, we all start out rotten, but he's taking me from glory to glory, from glory, making me better and better, changing my actual wants. We don't have to pretend that we don't want sinful stuff. We're all working through God changing our wants and helping us to grow in him and growing into better and more glorious and more joy-filled people with his assistance. And he does it by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what we looked at last week. I started with a story uh, of Vicky and I in San Francisco and I was ministering to a group there and they had kept saying nothing ever happens around here. Then I realized halfway through the week why that was. They hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they'd had their sins forgiven, got the ticket to heaven, but not said, God, will you come and live in my life now? 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, which is what the Bible promises. And of course, by the end of the week, stuff started to happen. So their testimony wasn't anymore. Nothing ever happens around here. And how does God do that? Well, we saw that God does it by filling us with his Holy Spirit and taking us in ever increasing degrees of glory, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, by his Holy Spirit. So it's by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we grow and grow in him. Amen. So I want to continue talking a little bit about that and uh, might be a little bit of a different talk this morning, but that's okay. Let's, let's do the, the, the next slide, please, um, Lucy. Great. And this is one of the key verses that I used last week to sum up really how, how I think church should feel. And this is the story of Jacob. Jacob is, is, uh, he's on the run, basically, and he's, he's sleeping out in the desert. And he has his incredible dream in the middle of the night, of angels ascending and descending. It's the bit where you get the phrase Jacob's ladder from. It's a ladder in his dream. And God spoke to him in the dream. And it was very real. It was more than a dream. He encountered God in the night. And it says here, uh, verse 16, it's Genesis 28, 16 and 17. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. It just looked like a cinema. Just looked like a desert, a cinema, a church building. But actually, wow, it was more than songs and seats. God was there. I hope you sensed that this morning. He was afraid. Look at that response to actually realizing God's real. He's not a museum. He's not a fridge magnet. He's actually in the room. God's here right now. There are angels in this room right now. And some in our hearts will go, you know, I can sense something. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is what I think church should be like. This is none other than the house of God. That's why I say it's what the church should be like. It's the house of God, the gate of heaven. And it says he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. We're the house of God. What does that mean? Well, we should be the gate of heaven where God creaks open the door when we gather and even when we're in our homes praying, God creaks open the door and it is on earth as it is in heaven. We go, God was in that place. There's a lovely verse in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 14. And the Apostle Paul is talking about what church worship should be like. And he says, you know, when people that don't know God walk in among you and you're all there. And he says, prophesying, that means talking about heavenly things from God's perspective. It says, unbelievers, they should fall down and go, God is in this place. Yeah. Just like that verse. God is in this place. That's what church should be like. And so we're seeking to be that together. Is that okay? I remember being in a, in a church, a beautiful Anglican church. Vicky and I visited it. And um, I won't tell you where it was, but it's a beautiful church. And we walked in and, and it had this verse over the, the altar. As you go through to the altar, and it had this verse. Um, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. You know, over the big arch as you walk through to the altar area. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. And there I saw a sign saying closed for services soon. And something just hit my heart that the gate of heaven was closing soon. I thought, what a loss. That we become museums because actually it was written on the wall, but perhaps it wasn't in hearts anymore. And when it's written on a wall like a museum and it's no longer in hearts, we're in trouble, church. 
when it's written on your wall, the Bible's sitting there getting dusty on your shelf, you know, to use the, the, the common analogy, because really the place is getting dusty is in our hearts, right? It's kind of on the shelf, but we're not alive to God anymore. I hope I'm the kind of pastor that helps you to realize, listen, wherever you're at, God can be alive to you. His grace is much greater than you ever imagined. Don't get caught up in the distraction of your own failure or the busyness of life. Understand this, God loves you. He died not just to forgive you, but to know you today in all of his power. Let us never become a place that's, well, the gate of heaven is closing. God's no longer around. Museum or manifestation? Which is it going to be? Now, this comes with difficult areas. It's like it says, you know, Jacob was afraid. Let me go to the New Testament and talk about some of that fear and some of the difficulty. Hopefully I can address a few of those this morning. Some of the difficulty, the fact that we expect God to be here among us. Is that okay? Go to the next slide. This is Acts chapter 2. And I actually got you to read out some of these words with us last week, but I never went into addressing what that was about. But we're going to do that a little bit this morning. Um, In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, so Jesus has died, the church is now gathered, there's 120 of them, and they're praying. And Jesus has said, wait for the gift of my Holy Spirit to come. Then the Holy Spirit comes. Now that's all lovely in theory, isn't it? But guess what? It actually got quite scary. And so here I am, 2,000 years later, talking to a group gathered in a cinema about the fact that, well, if this is real, if this Bible really is God, then we need to experience what they experienced in the Bible. That's quite reasonable, don't you think? And not have a theoretical fridge magnet religion. Well, here's what happened in the Bible. It says a crowd came together in bewilderment. Say bewilderment. Utterly amazed they were. It says they were amazed and perplexed. I love the word perplexed. They asked one another, and this is really good. I don't like church too tidy. It's probably just man if everything that we do is understandable. But if this concept of God, you know, God who is, can we say it's a poor way to say it, but billions of years old. If everything that goes on is just perfectly understandable by us, then I would say you're not meeting God. You're probably meeting just a fairly intelligent person. But if we're meeting God, then we should really go, what does that mean? That's amazing. That's perplexing. I mean, here I am living my, I've been alive 46 years. I have 46 years of experience. I've got all the books I've read, all the learning I've done. And thank God for Wikipedia. (laughs) But God is God. And I'm saying that he is going to fill us. Of course we're going to go, what does that mean? I'm bewildered. I'm perplexed. I'm utterly amazed. I'm meeting God. Right? Some, however, and here's the other bit that we really don't like. Some made fun. They were probably quite religious ones too. Probably the Pharisees going, oh, so they, they, they all look a bit nuts. It said, look what they said, they've had too much wine because they looked a little drunk, looked a bit overwhelmed by the power of God. And then if we carry on through uh, Acts 2 and then on into the rest of Acts, just a few lines from this. Look at this. Here's church when God's actually in it. It says, everyone was filled with awe. Now some versions and the original actually says it's the fear kind of awe. It's not just, wow, that was amazing, but oh boy, God's, God's here. At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, greatly disturbed, everybody say disturbed. Everybody say, I'm disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? It, just, just work with me. I really don't like playing at religion. You're sat in a room with six friends and God walks in the room. I mean, God walks in the room. What are you going to be? Disturbed. 
Because we're talking about the real thing here. Actually, we're talking about getting to know someone who is with us today. God walked in the room. Yeah, it's going to be disturbing. It says the place was shaken. Great fear seized the whole church. No one else dared join them, it said, but they kept growing. So that's a nice tension, a dichotomy there. No one else dared join them. They, they were highly regarded. There's something about a church that has God moving yeah. among them. It's powerful. And uh, here's the difficulty with uh, God moving among us in ways like this. Listen to this verse. It's not on the, on the board. I just jotted it down here. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. Listen, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, yeah. but considers them foolishness. This is a really good test for how we respond to the things of the spirit. Uh, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but considers them foolishness. So listen, some are going to make fun of you. Why? Because they just don't get it. Yeah. Now, here's why. Have you ever had this problem? You're looking for your glasses. Work with me. I can't find my glasses. What's the problem there? I can't see to find them. Anybody? Here's the thing of the Holy Spirit. We're looking for our glasses and others. I can't see it till I've got him, but I can't have him till I can see him. Got a problem. What does that mean? It means your logical mind isn't going to get you there. At some point, hunger and faith have to take over and go, okay, I really don't get it, but I need the Holy Spirit. Because only when you have him can you understand him. Because the person without the Spirit does not accept the things of the Spirit. Yeah. So listen, if you're struggling with the concept of God moving among a church or in your life, I would say, don't worry. It is just like looking for your glasses. You won't really get it until you start to walk with him. It's like learning to drive. Really hard to explain, isn't it? I'm explaining learning to drive this morning. You can try to explain it, but actually until you drive, you never really get it. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? It's like, um, it's like learning to lead. You never really understand it till you're in leadership. You can explain it all you want to, but it's how it feels is the big piece. It's like that with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Really hard to explain. But once the Spirit of God touches your heart, something inside you starts a journey that goes, ah, I get it. Somehow in a mysterious way, God's Spirit is filling me and I'm walking with him. So then all kinds of unusual signs and wonders begin to take place. Go to the next slide. It says that there are uh, signs on the earth below. It says in Acts 2.19, so there's all sorts of signs. Everybody say signs. Signs, literally, I love my God at work sign, don't you? If God is real and he touches our lives, then there are often, the Bible says, signs that he is moving that are a little bit unusual. Now, just in the book of Acts, we've got things like the sound of a violent wind. We can do without that one, can't we, really? Um, the sound of a violent wind, tongues of fire moving and came to rest on every head, it said. They all began to speak in tongues. I noticed Chris speaking in tongues this morning down the microphone. They looked as if they were drunk. But if you go through the rest of the book of Acts, that top bit's just Acts 2 on its own. You get buildings that shake, people fall into trances, people disappear, crowds healed by shadows. Literally, as Peter walked down the street, his shadow was healing the sick. Angels speaking to people, people falling to the ground. The Holy Spirit falls while someone is preaching. Scales fell from uh, Saul who became Paul's eyes. Unusual. Everybody say unusual. It's unusual. And it's just signs that God is moving. And, and it's, it's what happens. A sign is literally a distinguishing mark, an unusual occurrence 
something that transcends the normal course of nature. They're just signs saying God's doing something here. Now, let me touch on one sign this morning, and then we're going to go into why God moves in our lives in this way. Let me touch on one sign, and it's this. I want to just explain for a few moments why people feel overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, why some tremble when God moves, why some, uh, I love, I've been reading a bit of history today. They use words like swoon. Isn't swoon a good word that we don't use enough? Swoon. People swoon and faint in the presence of God. I'll read you some accounts in a little bit. But even just through the pages of the Bible, I want to show you where people, when touched by the Holy Spirit, actually physically react. I, I don't, as I, as I read it and I look through history, don't think God makes people do things so much. It's more when God moves, like sticking your finger in the electric socket, you feel something and it's like, whoa, that's very real. I remember watching... Um, a documentary about the tsunami in Tacloban in, in the Philippines. And there was a guy that was helping people in a, in a hotel and the hotel got flooded and they were down helping older people out from the ground floor, which was now flooded. And he said, we were walking around and suddenly we felt this really strong tingle and it was getting stronger and stronger. And we realized the water was electrified. Listen, when God is around, you start to feel it. I remember a couple of girls at the back of one of our meetings going, can you feel that tingle? Yeah, I, I can feel it. What, what, that's really weird. What's that tingle I can feel? And, and I was at the back near them and they, they walked outside. I don't know what they said, but then they walked back in and they said, oh, it's come back again. <laughs> you know, when you actually, if, if this really is a place, like Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, God is there among them. If that's real, then many people will feel something and sense something and go, what? What's going on? It happened in the Bible too. Go to the next slide. In 2 Chronicles 5.14, it says, the priest could not remain standing to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 1 Samuel 19, it says, the spirit of God came upon Saul. He took off his royal robes and prophesied before Samuel and lay down all that day and night. Daniel 10.10, it says, a hand touched me. That's a a spiritual hand. It wasn't a person if you read the whole story. A hand touched me and set me unsteadily on my hands and knees. John 18, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Revelation 1.17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Exodus Exodus 19, verse 6, everyone in the camp trembled. Ezekiel 1, when I saw God, I fell at his, I fell face down. Six times in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel falls face down. Daniel 10, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. I've done that in many a prayer meeting. Anybody else? <laughs> when God is in the room, sometimes, just sometimes, things happen. I remember being in South Africa once and I, I, I went to this church that I've been trying to go to for a while. It was a little place and I, I, uh, they'd been inviting me for about two years, but I could never fit it. It's when I was itinerant and I used to go to South Africa a lot and I never managed to fit it in. So literally they'd been asking me for two or three years and I finally got to this church, set up my keyboard and we got to the start of the meeting and um, uh, I, I touched the keyboard because I used to be a a worship leader. I touched the keyboard to start leading them in worship. And as my hands touched the keyboard, the spirit of God fell on me and I was struck dumb. And in fact, I just felt the presence of God so strongly on me. My head hit the keyboard and I I sat like this. Now I'm thinking, oh, I, I can really feel the lovely, powerful presence of God. But also there's another bit of my head going, you're supposed to be singing, you idiot. What are you doing? But I'm thinking, but I can feel God in the room. 
And so I, I sat there and I still had my fingers on the notes and my head on the piano. I thought, oh, I just want to be in the presence of God. I didn't want to move. I could have forced myself up, but I didn't want to move. And then slowly, after a while, I looked up and one by one, people were falling off their seats to their knees as the presence of God just filled this little church. What it is to be overwhelmed by God, museum or manifestation? I watched a little bit again of there's a, there's a little video on YouTube about you, Chris, and, it, and it's titled Drummer Man, I don't know what it says, hit by the drummer boy, hit by the Holy Spirit or something like that. And it's about one of the uh, series of meetings we had at probably 2011. And it's been, and it's been seen nearly 80,000 times now on YouTube, Chris. <laughs> You're really famous. <laughs> I don't even know who put it there, but sorry. <laughs> But it's a, it's, it's a, you can go watch it after the drummer boy hit by the Holy Spirit. Go, let's make it to 90,000 by the end of the week. But Chris is really overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. I remember actually he's completely useless. He's not got much better since. No. <laughs> Only in the Holy Spirit. Only, no, actually, why I'm saying this. <laughs> Your life changed in that period. I know it wasn't just that meeting that's on the, on the video because you were meeting God really powerfully in that period. And just one of the things, and it, it isn't the thing, I almost want to say it so we can forget about it and get on with the real issue. But you were very overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. I, I remember at the time you, you looked drunk, you trembled, you felt overwhelmed, you swooned, you, you old swooner. You swooned quite a bit. But, I, but Chris's life was changed. And in fact, you came on staff soon after that because I saw a big transformation in his life. And I knew, well, at the time we were going, we want this guy to lead our youth. And essentially, the youth experienced a revival after that point because God did something in his heart. Now, outwardly, you would go, he's trembling and overwhelmed at the presence of God. And the only reason I'm mentioning it this morning, because I think maybe some of you might be newer to this wave and you need to know, it's okay. It doesn't feel bad and you're not forced to. And in fact, it's actually just a reaction to as you get closer to God, well, we really are talking God here. You're going to feel something. Yeah. If we were approaching a frig fridge magnet, you just read it and walk away with the information in your head. But we're talking about approaching yeah. God. God filling our world. And so it's, it's different. It's, it's powerful. Amen. I mean, in that same period, we, we would have 15 minute staff prayer meetings. I think it would probably on a Monday or a Tuesday morning. And I remember after that weekend of where you're on the video, Chris, I remember um, going into the staff meeting and there was already, I think there was already somebody and I walked in and they were lying on the floor. Now, normally we just stand around, pray over a few things that we've got to do that week and then get on with the week's work. It takes about 10, 15 minutes. I walked in that week and there was somebody already lying on the floor because God was sweeping through the church in this way. It was quite remarkable. And this is some of our heritage. And you need to understand that, that God has breathed upon this church many times in the past. And we want to be a church that's responsive to the Holy Spirit and to how God moves. So I walked into this, into this staff meeting and I saw the person lying on the floor. And the only way I can describe it to you is... Well, I fell over too. As soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, oh, and I felt the presence of God. Now, about four or five other staff members walked in after, and everyone that walked in saw what was happening, felt the Holy Spirit and fell to the floor afterwards. And, and it's just God breathing over the church. And, and, and so, yes, you, you shake. I remember a couple of uh, 
ladies joining us from, from abroad and they'd listen to our programs on UCB and thought, you know, because we do a radio program, but we put out the tidy bit in the middle, you know, and we put out the tidy preachers with the, with the fun stories and the scriptures. So they walked in thinking that's what we would be like. And I remember seeing them. They walked into the back of our hall at Bridlington Avenue and stood there at the entrance and just began to shake violently. And they said, what is this? I said, are you feeling the Holy Spirit? And they just said to me, it's not like this on the radio. <laughs> because <laughs> on the radio you're getting the fridge magnet but when you walk into the sense of God we want to be a temple for his presence not just when we're gathered here but gathered anywhere wherever we are but why 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 do these things happen well I believe they're just a reaction to God being around and we really shouldn't obsess about them I know some churches kind of line up people almost, you know, well, people are expected to fall down. I don't really like that so much. I just like us to invite God and whatever happens, happens. In fact, half the time I go around now saying, just brace yourself so you don't fall down because God's about to come. Do you know what I mean? Hold them up because <laughs> God's in the room. We need to start a hold them up church, right? Instead of... <laughs> Instead of this thing where, you know, you'll have seen it, I'm sure somewhere somebody falls over and they put a little blanket over your legs as if it's... We should hand people crutches as they come towards the line instead, right? Brace yourself. Because if God's really among us, then incredible things can happen. But listen, here's the thing. Don't obsess about it. It's nothing. Forget about it. But it is normal. For some people, sometimes to tremble and feel overwhelmed by God. I really dislike the phrase slain in the spirit some years because that's a violent word, I don't like it. I just say they felt overwhelmed. And sometimes it's for a little moment, I just felt a little unsteady as I felt God touch my life. And sometimes people feel overwhelmed for days, sometimes even longer, and I've experienced that, that myself. But here's the point. Go to the next slide, um, Lucy. The results of the outpouring, that's what really matter. Okay, now, forget about, listen, I know some people that have been in very intense, I'll call them moves of God, who have never felt overwhelmed, never felt lots of stuff. So some do and some don't. So again, don't obsess about it, just seek God. But here's the result of God pouring out his spirit in the book of Acts. Well, first thing we find is that we get these fearful disciples who became bold. And literally, I just picked key words and senses as I, as I skimmed through the book of Acts of what happened when the Spirit of God outpoured. First, there was boldness. Then there was conviction. People, as Peter preached, were cut to the heart as what he was saying. And don't we need that? That instead of, well, yeah, that's okay. When we preach the word of God, people go, wow. When you say to your colleague in work, God loves you, it's not, eh, whatever, but rather, wow. Why would God even... God who? And suddenly it gets into the heart. That's what the spirit of God working in our lives does. It gives us words and a power from him that cut to the heart so that they can know God loves you and he wants to set you free and lift you up. 3,000 came into the church on that day. We know that and were baptized. There was a devotion in the outpouring of the Spirit, a devotion to teaching, to each other, to Christ, to meeting together. There were many signs and wonders. There was compassion and generosity. And thus, of course, in the church, poverty alleviation started to take place. There were many uh, 
poverty alleviation, daily growth. There were miracles, influence, persecution. <laughs> That's joyful, isn't it? <clears throat> I'll move over that one quickly. More outpourings. And then there were many healings. And then there was judgment. We'll go over that one quickly. Growth of care for the needy again. And then you carry on through the book of Acts. We're at Acts 6 now. Rapid growth again and wisdom and more persecution. Way and martyrdom. Let's sign up for it. All right. <laughs> Missions. The word spread. Influential people started to get saved. The dead were raised. Gentiles were saved. There were more outpourings. Missions, more outpourings. Many saved. Missions, more outpourings. Many saved. I'm getting a routine here. Missions, more outpourings. Many saved. Missions, more outpourings. Many saved. Missions, more outpouring. Many saved. Missions, more outpouring. Many saved. Missions. You can't just go missions, many saved. That's why there's so much dead church. We're thinking, I'll just do the mission and hope that people respond to Jesus. Listen, you've got to invite God into your world and say, God, would you pour out your spirit among us? And if you're not in that, I would encourage you, dive in. Wesley, when he preached, could the keyboard player, thanks, Phil. Listen to this. I was reading some of the history of Wesley. Wesley, John Wesley created the Methodist church, which was a blazing movement when it started. It was incredible. And through the revivals of Wesley and his, his brother Charles and um, uh, George Whitfield and others, many people were overwhelmed by the presence of God in their services in incredible ways. And I've got one of these little reports here. It's of a, a doctor because in the meeting, people were, there were strong cries and tears, it says. People exceedingly trembled and quaked and people convulsed, it even says. And there was a doctor there who was offended. Listen to this, it says, but one woman was offended. I know the doctor's the next one. This, this is a woman. But one woman was offended greatly, being sure they might help it if they would. No one should persuade her to the contrary and was got three or four yards as she walked towards, when she also dropped to the floor as violent in agony at the rest of them. 26 fell over under the power of the Holy Spirit. So she was offended. She walked towards thinking, surely these people can help it. And as she took four steps towards them, she fell under the power of God in Wesley's service. Listen to this one. This is a, is this, this is a doctor. It says, we understood that many were offended at the cries of those on whom the power of God came. Among them was a physician who was much afraid there might be fraud or imposture in the case. Today, one who he'd known many years was the first, while I was preaching in Newgate, who broke out into strong cries and tears. He could hardly believe his own eyes and ears because he knew the person. He went and stood close to her and observed every symptom till great drops of sweat ran down her face and all her bones shook. Then he knew not what to think being clearly convinced it was not fraud nor yet any natural disorder. But when both his soul and body were healed in a moment, he acknowledged the finger of God. In other words, a doctor stood watching someone he knew, someone feel trembling, overwhelmed, crying at the presence of God. Then the woman was healed. Here's the point. Why does God move? He wants to heal people. But yes, he comes with an electricity at times. Why does God move? Well, in 2011 was one of the recent senses of, a, of something of a move of God in our church. I remember after a year, I got to, I'd counted around 60 deaf ears opened in a year. So I gave up counting after that. The week before last, I saw six deaf ears open in one week. God is moving. Why? Not to make people tremble, to heal people and give them their dignity back. I told three of the stories of people who got out of wheelchairs in this move of God and many people trembled. But here's the point. People got their dignity back. 
Men were able to play football with their children again because God came and healed them. So I will not fear the trembling if it comes with healing and love and compassion and to change lives. What about the woman that came to our meeting? She got out of a wheelchair and was healed. She got on the train to go down to King's Cross Station. She got off the train and her Muslim doctor son was picking her up at King's Cross Station. And she walked off the train and walked up to him. He couldn't believe, number one, that she was walking. And number two, she looked so different. He said, what's happened? She said, Jesus healed me. They got straight back on the train, came back up to Hull to meet God. Now, I remember seeing him lying at the front of the meeting, again, overwhelmed by the power of God, as this Muslim doctor met God in a service just like this. It's the results. Sometimes when God moves, he overwhelms, but it's the results. He comes to change lives. Amen? (laughs) What about the man who we prayed for and he had three tumors in his cheeks and he went for an x-ray a week later and they'd all disappeared. I showed you the x-ray the other week. God moving is about tumors disappearing and deaf ears opening and lives changing. God moved in, I would say, literally hundreds and hundreds of healings to the point where, do you remember when the BBC came, this is some of our heritage, and filmed about healing in this place. And now GCS students studying religion will study this church when it comes to healing. I think that's incredible. I think it was wild because God, here's the result. It's not whether people swoon like Chris or like I often do, feeling overwhelmed at the presence of God. It's that he heals lives and he changes lives. So God, would you move among us powerfully? Museum or manifestation? What kind of religion is yours? Now, If you want a museum, it's probably because you want it tidy and controllable. That's fine. But I'm over here saying, I want God to move in my life. I I, I want to see the book of Acts in my city. I remember, I loved the Sunday. I think it was a Sunday when a girl came. She'd hurt her hand. They were driving to A&E and said, look, the queue's going to be long in A&E. Let's go to New Life first and get prayed for because that'd be much better than getting in the queue at A&E. And I remember her coming and putting her hand in mine and watching this hand heal in my hand. (laughs) Coming to A&E, coming to us before A&E. Isn't that incredible? God, move among us. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit, of the movings of God, of the outpourings of God, but rather run after him and say, God, fill me with your glory. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Let's stand in the presence of God together, shall we? Can I have the handheld, Chris? Thank you. Just pray. Just close your eyes in the presence of God. Try to concentrate on Him. Through history, men and women again and again have felt overwhelmed by the presence of God. Right now, where you stand, ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. He's here. Let Him fill you with His presence. Some might feel much, some might feel little. That doesn't matter. Seek him. 
seek him. Museum, or God manifest in your life, being revealed. A fridge magnet, or a sign and a wonder. What is gonna be the testimony of your life? God, I ask that you would fill people here with your spirit. I pray for those who don't know you in this room, who are encountering you for the first time. God, I pray that you would show your love to them. I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you can pray this after me, just pray it with me. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and filled with your presence and filled with your peace. I give my life to you. Reveal yourself to me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, you've just begun a relationship with God. It's just the beginning. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus.